Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? We got an interesting email this week. He says, thank you for taking my email in question. My girlfriend and I listen to you on the radio and she respects your opinion as I do. So here's the question. I've been separated for nine months. I'm working on a divorce. Is it okay to date? I believe it is. But she's not comfortable with being around people who know my divorce is not final. Can you help? He kind of answered it when he said, if she's not comfortable, it's not a good gig. And Pat, you have some questions about dating? I am 58 years old, Mm -hmm. and uh, I've been divorced for years. I was watching the Oprah show the other day, and they were talking about... They were talking about sexual desire. How does that factor in if you're after menopause? Obviously, being postmenopausal, you know, you aren't going to have the same pheromones, but then the men you're probably going to be dating, they're not going to have that need to mate with you, uh, you know, for children. How do you feel about... talking to Carol the Coach. Hi, this is Hope, Strength, and Recovery with Carol the Coach, and I am so glad to be with you tonight. I have dedicated this show and my time to helping you with sexual addiction, whether you believe you might be suffering from that, or if you're a partner and you love somebody who appears to have a sexual addiction. You know, there aren't a lot of places to hear advice publicly. So my show, Hope, Strength, and Recovery, Sex Addiction and Sex Health with Carol the Coach, is a way to access that information every Monday night, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And I'm really comfortable with radio. I'm really comfortable with this topic, in part because I got certified. I'm a CSAT. That's a Certified Sexual Addictions Therapist. And I actually belong to two different professional groups. And i got to tell you, I get so much information from them on a daily basis and a weekly basis. Uh, We pass around really tough cases and talk about what resources are available. And we talk about, you know, the newest theory, the newest research, and the newest techniques that may be available to help you. I know that in just the last month I have referred to two different treatment centers um, that I think are really good here in the United States. And, of course, the beauty of Blog Talk Radio is that this program goes throughout the world. We have people all over the world that listen to this show, and I am just—I feel a lot of gratitude to be able to help you with this issue and to publicly help you 
get through the shame, feel better about yourself, and improve your self-esteem. Now, I mentioned those two groups. One is a CSAT group. It's for Certified Sexual Addiction Therapists. And the other is um, for, it's called the SASH group, and it is uh, for sexual health. And I tell you what, I had heard about two workbooks that were free. They were available to anybody who went on a specific website and I wanted to take a look at them. So I was so impressed with the Impulse Treatment Center, ITC, because they literally came up with two free workbooks that any of you can get just by going to their website. And the one workbook is called Freedom from Sex Addiction, and the other workbook is called Freedom from Sex Addiction for Partners. They're both self Help workbooks, and I say that because not only do they go over what is sexual addiction and what can you do about it, but they talk about some of the most basic dynamics that will help you to decide: Do you indeed have a sexual addiction, or does somebody that you love have a sexual addiction? And then, what do you do about it? Um, and this is. This is a fabulous thing because truly we are in, although sexual addiction has been around forever, we are in the beginning stages of figuring out what would help people the most. Tonight we're going to be talking to Don Matthews. He's the founder and director of the Impulse Treatment Center. And he, as well as the staff from Impulse Treatment Center and Joan Gold, who's an MFT, wrote these two workbooks. Joan was going to be on the air with Don. I'm not sure if she's going to. She had an accident over the weekend. We wish her the best. And um, But Don agreed. You know, he was going to be on anyway. He said, I'll go solo if I need to, so we'll just see if they are available together or separately. I know it's going to be a good show, um, particularly because if you're wondering, do you have a sexual addiction, um, they give very simple but understandable definitions of what is a sexual addiction. Because you and I both know that when you talk about sex addiction, there are a lot of people that say there's no such thing. And yet what we know about people who have obsessive and compulsive thoughts about sex where they act out and they can't seem to control it and it's obsessive and compulsive, um, they have secret lives and They use sex to relieve or escape anxiety. Um, It's an intimacy disorder. I mean, people that have this condition have a difficult time being real with their loved ones because they hold the secret deep inside. Consequently, it's really hard to connect feelings of intimacy with sexual behavior. And this workbook goes on to say, if you have a sexual addiction, you're violating your own ethical, moral, and professional principles you know, there's a loss of control of sexual impulses and there's ritualization, there's other things that you may do prior, during, or after the sexual addiction. And I guess one of the things that I was most impressed about was how easy it was to understand this workbook, how you actually get to participate to determine do you have a sexual addiction, and then... It really does a great a great job of not shaming anybody. I mean, it even talks about what are slips and relapses and how do you know um, if you're heading in the right direction, how do you get back on track. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Dawn probably the quarter of the hour and finding out more about why these workbooks are free and how they're meant to be used and why do the partners need help. Um, and can couples really recover from these types of problems? You know, this is such a shame-based disease. We need to know how do you get past the shame in order to get some help, because truly, and I can't emphasize this enough, whenever you're looking to create change in your life, you have to feel some hope, and you have to feel like you've got the energy to work on focusing on behaviors that you need to abstain from 
But at the same time, you need to find outlets where you create new behaviors so that it's not the world of deprivation. It is a world where you actually feel better about your choices now than you did before. And so with as with any other addiction, whether you're trying not to uh, spend money or you're a gambler or you're a drinker or you're, you use substances, um, if you think about what you're missing out on, it's going to be very difficult to achieve the goal. If you think about what a loser you feel like, how much shame is attached, what what a scoundrel you've been, a lie, a cheater, whatever, you're not going to have the self-esteem and muster up the strength to change your life. And, you know, I always say at the end of a show, there's only one of you at all times, so you fearlessly have to have the courage to be yourself. And to do that means you have to see the positives and the negatives. You need to to be able to see the progress, not the perfection. And you need to be able to access resources because this is a disorder that is very, very difficult to work through on your own. You might need a 12-step group. You might need a certified sexual addictions therapist. You might need a treatment center. You might need somebody such as um, the Impulse Treatment Center that has, focused on this disorder and has specialized training um, in getting you the help you need. So I can't emphasize enough how exciting it is that you have resources today, and I don't want you to give up. I want you to know that there is help. All right. Hi, this is Carol the Coach. Is this Dawn? Yes, this is. Well, Don, thank you so much for being a part of the show. These workbooks are fabulous, and what's even more fabulous is that they are free of charge. My yeah. goodness, you must feel really good about that. We do. Every time Joan and I think about it, um, we're just happy to have been of service to a lot of people. Yes. Now, whose brainstorm was this and and how long did it take to put together because not only do you have the self-help workbook for the addict or someone who may have an addiction but you have it for the partner too so when did you create these and and what was at the at the root of getting these things up and and going well both Joan and I believe very strongly in the idea of helping uh people who don't have a lot of income um, and a lot of the well-known treatment centers around sex addiction actually charge more than the average person could pay. Right. And, and so we really believe in sliding scale for at Impulse Treatment Center and some pro bono, but uh, we do a lot of group therapy, which is also less expensive. So we thought that we wanted something just sort of a gift. It's a you know a 12-step idea to give back what you freely receive in that program. So that idea is a is a good one to be sort of open-hearted in our work. Yes, and for anybody that is new to the idea of sexual addiction and some of the resources out there, you're referencing the 12-step program and and that 12 step is about service and giving back. And so yes. this is your way of accommodating that, especially for the average person who maybe is stretched uh, thin in terms of their own finances. Yes, that's right. And our and that website and those workbooks may just be, it might be just what people need. So there's assessment tools. Um, and, you know, there's very good sources of information and places that people can get help without spending money. For instance, this talk show right here uh, is free to everybody who just wants to listen. You know, we have that same idea 12 steps are similar you don't have to pay anything if you don't have any money uh, and so we like that idea that recovery at its center is not about money <laughs> it's there and it's not something that somebody else does for you or mm -hmm. to you it is something that you do through your own uh, awareness and so getting that awareness out uh, through a variety of means uh, and other recovering people is a, an example also that really helped. So if, if 
we have people right now um, who are interested. I want you to get a piece of paper and a pencil. You might want to get some of this information together. But the website itself is www.sexaddicttreatment.net, and that is where they can download these workbooks. Is that correct? Yes. They're just there. You'll see them right on the front page, and uh, they can just download them, print them out. Um, we ask that nobody charges for them. It's just free. So, uh, but that's but I don't think anybody will. So it's just no, free but I public. remember you all said that to us as professionals. Now nobody charged for these, and they are so good. It would be something you might pay for, but truly, this is your give back to them. And and what would be the benefit of using? Let's let's talk about the addicts first. What would be the benefit? benefit for an addict or someone who wonders if he doesn't have the problem of addiction using these workbooks? Well, it gives you some good ideas. Some of the things, of course, in recovery you will need other people for. So the workbooks are uh, a good tool, but it is one tool. So like to build a house, you need many different kinds of tools. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's the same thing with recovery. There's many different kinds of things. We mention a number of them in the workbooks, but it's not really complete. And depending, uh, so the assessment part uh, is a very big part, and that's the first part of the workbook, both for um, partners and for sex addicts. So trying to figure out, do I have a problem? Mm -hmm. Yes, so you talk about what is sex addiction, and you say if you're living a secret life, if you feel shame or you're telling lies, if you pursue sexual interest obsessively, despite personal and financial risks, if Mm -hmm. you use sex to relieve or escape intimacy, which I thought was really interesting later on when you talk about the four circles as opposed to the three circles. Uh, You put the feeling component into that. I really like that. Mm. And, you know, obviously sex addiction can be an intimacy disorder. So would you go so far as to say if somebody is having difficulty with addiction, with sexual addiction, they 100% have an intimacy disorder? I don't think I've ever seen an exception to that. And, and I've seen, you know, actually two or 3,000 people, probably probably closer to 3,000 now over my uh, career. And I haven't actually seen a, 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 an exception, even with people who are not in relationships are affected mm-hmm. by the intimacy problems. Mm-hmm. Because we're not actually not in relationships at all. We're just not... Uh, sexually romantically involved, but shame, for instance, will affect all kinds of other relationships. It will keep us away from relationships. So in a negative sense, we may stay away from relationships uh, out of shame. Yeah, ultimately because the person may not feel worthy of a relationship. Yes. And, uh, And that is very, very difficult. So if somebody is not in relationship right now, they still may have an intimacy disorder because it's their self-esteem that's keeping them from that based on their behaviors. And that's what I thought was so interesting about Chapter 2. You know, you outline, do you have a problem? And you say, do you ever? And people are to answer yes or no. And just some of the questions, uh, do you ever become irritable if sex is not available? Do you ever believe that sex is your most important need? Do you lie to get sex? Do you lie to cover up sexual acts? You know, I had a man today who was is just a wonderful person. He has been sober from prostitution and from video um, stores and and for over a year. And today, I just happened to say to him, "Is there anything you feel shameful about?" And he said, "Well, yes." Um, I've increased my porn use in the last four months when I got my new phone because it's a bigger screen and it it duplicates much of the videos I used to watch 20 years ago. And so here he was in sexual recovery and yet was was utilizing a behavior that was not in his inner circle but was certainly a gateway for that inner circle. And I even suggested he put it in the inner circle. So Mm -hmm. people can really compartmentalize and say, well, you know, 
I fantasize about a lot of women when I'm masturbating, but I'm not cheating on my wife any longer with prostitutes. And Mm -hmm. and those kind of situations, this workbook will help you at least look at, well, are you honest about that? Do you feel shame about that? And that helps to identify whether you need some sort of professional help. Right. Those are two really good uh, ideas for recovery, honesty and shame reduction. And those are really sort of the the heart of uh, the intimacy problems. So we really, I mean, really we want to get the goods uh, of a relationship, of an intimate relationship, uh, being open-hearted. And that the more open-hearted we can feel, the more revealing we can feel, the more trusting we can feel, the more uh, we get the goods. We still there? I think that's, yeah, I sure oh, yeah. am. I was just thinking okay. about that statement you said, the more okay. open-hearted we are. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a term that you've coined to say the more open we are with our emotions and our feelings? Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of parts to being intimate with others. It's a complex issue. But if we have major secrets and if we break trust and if we're not honest about a very important thing, that doesn't mean we have to say every little thought we think. It can mm-hmm. be a different kind of an intimacy problem, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, that we can uh, that we can really let in the other and feel seen by the other, and we can feel uh, one of the big damages to partners, for instance, is the uh, it's such a deep wound to this part of us that likes to feel secure in a relationship, that I'm safe with this other person, and there's damage to this, but. Uh, one branch of psychology calls a secure base, and that can be traumatic. And so how do you get that back after it's been damaged? So the intimacy is really, really a core part of the idea of uh, sex addiction recovery, how, how to have more of that, which will also reduce shame. We can talk about it. Uh, it says in 12 Steps, you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. tell something about yourself, then it's going to be a shame issue probably. Well, I thought that was interesting that you had said earlier that so much of the work that you do is about shame reduction. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because that's a term that not everybody may know what that means. Yes. Um, Well, shame is, you know, a negative, painful feeling which the self is viewed as worthless, worthless. Mm -hmm. Uh, and because of that, it's a hard feeling to get to because we don't want others to see that we're worth less. So we hide it. So if we and hiding, hiding is the opposite of recovery. So ironically, you know, the a central issue in recovery from any addictions is hiding, hiding things. So we really need an accountability. We try to build that as much as we could into the workbooks by, you know, signing and dating your own agreements because we can forget that we did those. And then we're sort sure. of hiding from ourselves out of denial and all kinds of things. So at any rate, shame, different than, you know, guilt is that we've done something wrong. Shame is that we are something wrong. Mm-hmm. Good and point. So we, it's yeah. more than guilt. It's feeling like you are wrong. You are mm-hmm. wrong itself. And, you know, I really believe that, if you've got somebody who who has sexually deviant behaviors, if they're doing things behind people's back, if they're not being honest or transparent, you may end up, as a partner, finding yourself spying on that person, being a detective, hunting for information to validate your feelings. And, boy, that's a terrible game to play, too. And and you talk about that in your workbook for the partner that you know if the partner is really doing a lot of investigating um doesn't feel separate from the addict uh feels feels like they have to justify or defend the addict um that they ch- they also have a problem separate from the person who has the sexual addiction 
So what do you provide for them um, in this book, in this workbook, and um, what do you provide at the Impulse Treatment Center? It's sort of some uh, ironies that the treatment, even though quite different and sort of two different, very different programs, which may never, ever connect, it could be mm-hmm. that one uh, you know, partner, husband and wife are in, on two different tracks, but uh, they may not do anything together while they're in impulse treatment. So they might. They might have some couples counseling at some point. We don't usually emphasize that in the beginning. Because the internal, I said that secure base can be so disrupted. So it's sort of like how do you, how do you nurse a person back from a big wound? And, and this can be this can be right up there with, uh, tra- I mean, it is a kind of trauma for many people, for many spouses. So how do yeah. you recover from that? I mean, how do you recover from abuse, for instance, of any type? Uh, and this is similar. It's not. It may not be directly abusive, but when you find a person that you've trusted and you have so much invested of emotionally and maybe financially in all kinds of ways, and they 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 do something that you distrust, and sex in itself, a distrust around sex is so much more intimate than other things because it has to do with our bodies. And there's a deeper level of uh, hurt and pain in that. So the spouses, and when we've been abused or hurt in this particular way, can we just recover on our own? If we had a big flesh wound, would we just say, well, I can handle that, and maybe we could. And some people can. Maybe they have good resources or something, but it really helps to have specialized attention on that issue because we can also we can also get stuck there. You know, it can be a, a sort of an open wound and that never really heals properly. And we can just continue to get activated, angry, depressed. Uh, all, all people who've been abused, for instance, can get stuck there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so we have to have some tools, and especially other women who are going through that or really can empathize with the feelings that, are, uh, um, that, that you're going through and validate the anger and uh, how difficult it is. Uh, just to have somebody listen and understand it, and also give you some tools that we list some of those in our workbook here, and I'm sure you do as a as a psychotherapist also. Oh, absolutely, and you know, there's this new one of the things that I, I needed to ask you is, um, I know that the partners need help. I mean, we look at it as a systems issue, and although yes. the issues are different. Um, it does involve the system, and so I know a lot of the women and men. I mean, I'm I'm seeing mm-hmm. more and more men that are partners of sexual addicts, and mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do, and they want to stop their compulsive behavior of investigating or not trusting, and yet they are so tired of being hurt. It's a way that they can control. Yeah. Um, at least. The, the impact of being hurt if they find out about it as opposed to if they actually look for it and find it as opposed to just finding out about it. So you, do you believe that the addict is a victim here? Uh, they are in certain ways. Everybody's sort of victims in our life at some point, and mm-hmm. our job is to turn that into something that's useful. We can really mm-hmm. get better through any experience. You know, we don't have to... Uh, just stay stuck in that, you know, because we're going to have life experiences that are not fair, and uh, and that may be very very hurtful and uh, lots of loss. So uh, how do we not get stuck? How can we turn this into something that's good for us? Relationships can heal from this. I've seen some that are far better. They would tell you, you know, my clients. I'm sure you've had this happen too that you've had couples after, you know, it usually takes a while. This is not a, you know, trust is built in like bricks, one brick at a time. You know, we can't get that back just because we say we're sorry. But um, <clears throat> but couples, anyway, can get better. They can use this to heal and grow in their intimacy, which was probably stunted anyway. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, and that's so, why I really like the fact that you ask both the partners and the addicts 
to take a look at their different areas of their life and kind of evaluate what is and what isn't working for them in general because that all feeds into healthy and unhealthy behaviors. And part of this workbook is that you look at the legalities of your life and the finances and your relationships and your emotional health and your physical health. I mean, this workbook is ingenious for getting people to look at self-care. Thank you. Uh, And Joan really did the bulk of this, and she's maybe listening from the hospital. She heard her broke her leg a couple of days ago. Oh, Joan, we want (laughs) you to get better. And and for anybody out there listening, if you have a question, you feel free to contact us. That number is 646-595-3284. Feel free to call in, interrupt us at any point. Don and I are ready for any questions you might have. And we do want Joan to get better because oh, that was just, just a terrible thing for her. So yeah. can you tell me, um, if this is a shame-based disease, how does someone get past the shame in order to get help? Yes, good question. The uh, And that shame is the... A central ingredient, and of course, it can come up for the spouses too. What did I? Uh, couldn't I have been a better lover? And all these things that people beat themselves up with. Mm-hmm. And by the way, for those partners out there, men who are in recovery, uh, almost never do they actually say it was this partner's fault. This is from the sex addict themselves. <clears throat> so once they really begin to realize that, oh well, I would have done this with anybody actually. Uh, it's really helpful to hear that from a partner, that it's not about you. But it will trigger off deep feelings and some behaviors that may be destructive on your side. Mm -hmm. But uh, at any rate, the shame part, um, I think Patrick Carnes was correct in his second book on Contrary to Love. He talked about uh, the types of families that sex addicts tend to come out from, that, that they were a little bit more rigid and, uh, and disengaged. Uh, disengaged, yes, mm-hmm. rigid and disengaged. And I think, in my my years of working around this, I think that is true. Even though I have, I don't know how much research there's actually been done on that. But I would say, you know, more than half of the men come from a family that, in that sense, they look very good. You know, lots of church people in churches and come from that sort of a classic style. Uh, you know, the the preacher's kit kind of. Um, style so you learn Lots of to, rules and yes rules you go by them you give to people what they want to hear you actually develop better social skills than most people to give others what they want to hear uh, and and become sensitive that way so sex addicts oftentimes have that side which makes them a little hard to detect so and that's another reason why women don't need to beat themselves up uh, for getting involved with sex addicts because they're hard to detect sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to really know what to look for. <clears throat> so, um, um, but shame. How do you how do you deal with that? How do you? Um, one is identifying it, and there are some. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, we we hit these areas. A lot of times, we can go for a while without feeling much shame. It's there, but but nothing triggers it off. Sometimes the revealing of the sexual behavior, whether through disclosure or through it just uh, um, being found out, happens. And then you'll be in touch with your shame issues. <laughs> so, um, And that can be useful, though, because if you can do something and learn it. I had a man come into my practice you know, just a little short while ago, and he cried for the entire hour out of shame. Oh, boy. A whole hour out of shame. And uh, and then he felt better. He's like he poured out all this shame, and then we sort of had to look at it. And you know how long he's been keeping the secrets his whole life. And to get that stuff out in the open with people who can understand and don't shame you, and mm-hmm. and have some understanding. Yes, you've broken your own values and other people's values, but that does not mean you're a worthless person. And uh, and so to get and that helps people. You get it in twelve step when somebody speaks and says, "I'm I'm uh, Joe. I'm a sex addict," and uh, and the people clap. 
and it happens in AA meetings around alcohol or food addicts around food. And so, oh, yeah, people here can understand me. And that uh, shame actually, probably the best way to deal with shame is not a by oneself um, activity. So in that particular one, you can't do with the workbooks. You have to get some other people. Uh, groups are especially good at this. Therapists can help. <clears throat> uh, so 12-step or a therapy group like we have at Impulse Treatment Center to have other people, to go into those and find other people talking about issues. It relieves our shame when somebody else talks about a similar issue, even. We didn't even well, say Well, I know that so many people are afraid of treatment, and and they feel they don't know what to expect, and they feel like it will really interfere and interrupt in their life. But can you just give a short synopsis of what the typical stay would be like at the Impulse Treatment Center, um, how long would they stay, what would they do, how would they participate, and what they could expect? Um, our, um, our typical program, and we always make it for the individual, so this is a typical but not one that's always used. Many people we see three times and they move into group. Um, knowing that that is cheaper, but it's also an excellent form of uh, therapy for addictions of all kinds. We're actually giving a talk at the um, um, sexual sash conference in uh, September on this idea. Um, <clears throat> and when you say you see them three times, does that mean they're seen for individual assessment and therapy three times and then they move into an intensive outpatient group or were they actually exactly. staying? Well, some of them stay an individual. It depends uh -huh. on how severe their sex addiction is. Sometimes uh -huh. they have another therapist working with them around sex addiction. So we work with a lot of therapists, some at Impulse Treatment Center, some at other places. Not everybody wants that. Uh -huh. And so, you know, it might be enough. Some people get enough out of the group therapy alone. That might be a milder addiction. Uh, maybe they're going to 12-step or have other resources. And maybe they're sort of just sort of dipping their toe in and wanting to explore. Uh -huh. So it um, doesn't matter. You know, the group is usually a, it's a very supportive kind of an atmosphere. But people, uh, yeah, the goal, and as everybody knows, is to be honest around your sex addiction. Uh -huh. uh, so you get in there. And the groups, it's a minimum three-month commitment. Uh, initially, a long time ago, uh, I thought that people would get sober and leave. Well, what I didn't realize is that's sort of the tip of the iceberg, and so a lot of people don't want to leave because they, and men in particular, because I work mostly with the men, and, and Joan and uh, Lori Pantel works with the spouses, um, that men, which they really have not had any experience about having good relationships with other men. So it becomes sort of like a men's group. There's not much acting out going on in the groups usually. Uh, there's very, very little after they get in and start being accountable. <clears throat> um, but so sex addiction becomes sort of an issue, but uh, for many, sort of a secondary issue, and they begin working on some of these other issues that both the workbooks talk about, you know, setting up boundaries. Lots of sex addicts are nice guys with good social skills, but they don't set up boundaries well. Mm-hmm. So they have to and learn so give that. give us an example of a boundary that you might see in, in group therapy that they talk about. Um, yeah, it happens, you know, almost every week in, in these I'm sure. Groups. Uh and uh for instance not telling the boss that they uh need to get off from their work to come mm -hmm. to the group. Or mm -hmm. or their wife uh wants a certain color in the living room but they don't like it. So it's not worth fighting about. I'm not gonna say anything. Well those are anti intimate just like shame and like secrets, they pile up and one way to almost guarantee that a couple is not going to have sexual relationships is that they don't fight. They don't have disagreements. They don't set up boundaries. So then they have to use emotional distance and usually that goes along with sexual distance uh, in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so healthy, healthy conflict 
becomes a center part also, but I call it sort of stage two recovery, uh, of um, helping sex addict because that's one of the negative feelings in those, you know, the four circles. If you are, uh-huh. if you're not dealing with your negative feelings, including resentments, anger, you know, boundary issues, and those kind of things, then you're not going to really get the goods out of your recovery. You're just going to be not acting out at best. Right. Well, and I always say in healthy relationships, conflict breeds intimacy. However, a lot of these people don't have healthy relationships, so it takes a lot of courage to know that, yes, when you set boundaries and bring up some conflict, it may look like it's worse before it gets better. Exactly. But when you're transparent and authentic, things will always work out in a positive way eventually, if nothing else, because you end up feeling better about yourself. Yes, and that actually happens in the group. We really push and touch on that particular intimacy issue is probably one of the biggest areas of discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, for you know, early in recovery, it's the uh, you know boundaries. She wants to come and wake me up at three in the morning to ask me a question about where I was, you know, six months ago. It's like uh, boundary time. You know, that's but it's understandable that she'd want to know. Mm-hmm. But does she really have a right to wake you up when you have to get up in an hour or so to go to work? So, uh, and that's really difficult. That's why in the early stages we don't push a lot of couples counseling. We push support systems more. Mm-hmm. And that makes total sense. So, in the workbook, it talks about um, the four circles, and of course the. Outer circle is your healthy behaviors. What do you do that that makes you a healthy human being? And anybody, whether you had a sexual addiction or not, could look at, well, maybe I exercise or maybe I um, am going to school and, and, and enjoying that. Maybe I play with my kids. Maybe I have an eight-hour workday. The healthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. And then the... Middle circle behaviors are those behaviors that can set an addict up to um, for sexual addiction. Yes. Now, you said the feeling circle happens to be in between the middle and the inner circle. Exactly. That, that was my idea, and I just thought that it needs another circle in there because it's the feelings, um, as Joan writes in the workbooks because she did the bulk of the ideas in here mm-hmm. with feedback from me and I gave a few ideas here and there um, but uh, and in there if you looked at like a topographical map the feelings would be the high point of the map that would be the mountain ridge mm-hmm. and so that way you decide which way you're going to go towards outer circle uh, and all the things that are listed in, in this workbook uh, and other places that are good for you to do, that help you. Maybe talking with somebody else, talking with your group, doing some journal writing. Um, and there's a whole list in the workbook, of course. Uh, or you will probably move towards addiction or at least feel deprived, more negative mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. So you're going to build a backlog at best, you're just going to have a lot of negative feelings. So recovery, real recovery, is um, not so much about, uh, you know, I, and this is my view, and there's probably different opinions on this, but being squeaky clean forever may mean nothing. It may mean, well, you got to this place that you're squeaky clean, but you never got to getting the goods in your life. You're still sort of without friends and doing, uh, not doing the inner work. That will lead to, you know, more fulfilled, meaningful life. So, um, so those feelings, if you take them to the outer circle, my guess is you're going to feel more meaning, more empathy from other people, more engaged. Or if it's like shame, you're going to probably want to act out. A lot of these feelings will lead to wanting to act out, or just some other compulsive behaviors that run away from your internal self. So it's important to be aware of your feelings, and then it's it's your conscious choice as to what you do with them. 
And if you're a sex addict utilizing old behaviors, you'll use it as an excuse to act out. But if you're really working on healthy behaviors, then maybe you'll go for a run or you'll call your sponsor or you'll do some reading. Um, yeah, and that's exactly. that's that's a great idea. I mean, we all need to be aware of our feelings because they truly are at at the core of who we are as human beings. So mm-hmm. I like that idea, and I'm sure, um, I I'm sure that people take this back to their twelve step meetings, their their therapists, and want to use the feelings part of the circle too. Yeah, um, it's funny how I. I hear ideas that I've put out over the years, and, and somebody will come back and tell them, and I say, oh, I think that was my idea, you know, right. now that I've been around for so many years. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. You know, it's just sort of like a, a gift out there, and I've learned from myself. Well, and yes, people. and it sounds like you've got – you don't have much of an ego. As long as people are utilizing the ideas, that's what you care about. Well, I do, I, and that uh, – and there's – something it's more expansive i think that way so people are not uh, you know people come to listen to your web uh your broadcast here because mm-hmm. you're you are doing the same thing you're offering hope and healing in this free version of giving people ideas and i i looked at your website also and and, and it had that same concept of hope and healing um which is uh to me, that's really what recovery is about. We can get better through these events and with other people and really learn about ourselves and others and and minimize some of our defenses so they're not getting in our way so much, including sex as a defense mechanism. Um, or, or we can just stay in our threatened small box. And uh, so I like that about your website. Also, it's you know it's right in the message, so it's a very positive website there. Well, thank you. Um, you said you've been doing this work for how long? About 30 years. I started with uh, Patrick Carnes when he first came out with the sexual addiction, which later became Out of the Shadows. And as soon as I read the book, I said this guy is really onto something. He's got a different concept. Uh, and I think I think this is very important. And I went and started studying, you know, with him with his seminars and things down. Uh, he was up in Minnesota and then down right. in uh, uh, Torrance, California. And uh, and so I went through a lot of his early trainings. But he didn't actually develop therapy in an outpatient treatment at that time. So I was sort of on my own. But I had been doing impulsive behaviors through anger management. Uh, and I had started that program. So I adapted some of that to our program. So it's sort of a blend of different things that I've learned over the years, lots of influence from Patrick Carnes. Well, and, and again, the Impulse Treatment Center, that is a center where whereby people can come and get treatment. Now, is it residential? No, I'm it's sure not. I'm sure listeners uh, want to know. It's... Uh, <clears throat> not residential um and as i said most people just have three sessions so it's we're probably one of the least expensive centers around and that's one of the reasons why we're very popular also so we have if you have out-of-towners that come um we do but not for i would actually we have people who travel sometimes 100 miles for group which is so um so it is healthy, and it, and it is different than 12-step in the sense that uh, those intimacy problems can be gotten to uh, more directly. So um, in the group process itself, it's sort of hard to get them uh, worked out through 12-step, or even even in uh, individual practice, it's a little hard. But in group, it actually comes up right before our eyes there. So uh, and and in a caring supportive atmosphere you can you can actually start to shift in your intimacy issues so i think it helps especially with stage two recovery um yeah go ahead well i was just thinking you know i am actually fairly new to this community i've um, only been working in this field about seven years Mm -hmm. and there's very little out there 
on an outpatient basis that that offers comprehensive services and it sounds like from your individual treatment of three sessions and then moving into the group and you said that's a minimum of three months you can really yeah, I would begin say it's to about two two or three years though uh, yeah that's what I was thinking too I know that I run time limited groups of 12 weeks and people re-up for additional yeah. sessions they don't want to leave the group there's a certain security and safety in the group and, and they know you as the group leader and yet to begin with they were very very scared about group involvement group you know, they, men are very scared about groups especially mm-hmm anything to do with intimacy, because they have not had a lot of good experiences talking openly and honestly with other men. So when they finally realize that it is a safe place, they don't want to leave. And that was my first mistake as a therapist. I thought they would want to leave as soon as they got sober. Right. So what are they What are they doing here? So we, we started looking at, well, what are the other issues? And that's where the, sort of the stage two, uh, I think it was uh, Dale Larson, came out with a book called Stage 2 Recovery. Anyway, in there, it's really these other issues that really move a person from just not acting out to a more fulfilling life. I mean, mm-hmm. almost invariably, people's lives are going better, and that's really what I measure progress from. Is their work environment getting better? Is Are their relationships getting better? Um, and, uh, you know, even finances can get better because they're not spending a lot of money on prostitutes or something. Absolutely. Again, if anybody's just joining the show, we're talking with Don Matthews, and he is the director and founder of the Impulse Treatment Center. The website is www.sexaddicttreatment.net. Email address is impulsecenter at gmail.com, and telephone number is 925-280-6700. And the Impulse Treatment Center is in what state? It's in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, Northern California, and it's in Walnut Creek, California. We have lots of people from the entire Bay Area uh, and even actually up to Sacramento, even on the other side of Sacramento. So, And I like to think if people want recovery, they need to do whatever they need to do to make it happen and so they can have a, a really good life. And that doesn't mean always spending a lot of money and everything, but, you know, drive to where you need to, get with people you need to, and make it a major priority. And that's that's the addict's job, to if you want to have a good life, you're the one that's going to make it. And I have to admit that certainly the people that I've worked with have been so wounded from the addict who may have experienced a a large degree of abuse in his or her life and then they're reenacting that trauma to the partner who thought he or she knew his or her Mm -hmm. spouse and then realized that much of the relationship was an illusion. But Mm -hmm. there is hope for these couples, and they can recover from their relationships, what do you think is different about your program versus a couple that just goes to couples therapy? Um, Actually, quite a bit of difference because, as I said, we don't push a lot of couples counseling. Usually it's sort of crisis management uh, is what people are going into when they're doing couples counseling. And if he is not into a good, solid recovery, and his acting out behaviors, uh, and really committed to being honest. I've had I had a number of people come to me and they said, "Well, I was just lying to my couples counseling therapist. I was acting out the whole time." I said, "Well, uh, you're wasted that's, your money." Yeah, that's somebody who needs to do some serious individual work because he is he or she is wasting their money and their life. Yes, I mean this is an intimacy issue, and you're breaking trust in some major way and uh and so i want to really make sure that honesty is a part of the the um agreement for for him in particular and for her she needs to be able to start going into her what i call softer feelings versus just the uh the feelings that are natural but more closely connected to defense like anger so for instance she, i mean a lot of you know Anger is called a secondary emotion. 
natural and it's a healthy emotion, but it can get us into trouble. So if we, uh, I tell spouses, if you want to know what he's up to, just ask him and, and talk about, you know, I, I, my fears are coming up around if you were acting out today or, you know, that you were making that phone call to somebody. Uh, do you mind, you know, helping me with that? And that's hard because she's already feeling extremely vulnerable. To stay vulnerable is hard for her. But if she can do that, then he's much, I mean, these guys will usually say, yeah, sure, look at my phone here. I don't want you to feel bad and fearful. But if she says, you know, uh, what were you doing? Why were you late? You know, it's like, well, he's going to probably get defensive. We sort of catch that from each other like a cold. And uh, <clears throat> and then they're going to be off to this battle. So teaching couples how they can uh, not uh, to have a productive uh, communication, productive disagreements, productive, uh, uh, you know, how do you, how do you restore trust? That's a long process. Mm-hmm. If it's been oh, broken, that is not going to be done in a session. Or no, and I know that for some people, when we talk about the neurocircuitry of the brain and we say, you know, addicts really have to retrain their brain, and that takes anywhere from two, three, four, five years. That yes. sounds so long to a, yes. a hurting couple, but at the same time, it ensures that they'll get their behaviors down, that they'll create some new neurocircuitry. And it sounds like the group is a wonderful way to practice inside the group what they need to take outside of the group yes. and work on in their own relationships. And I always say, you know, one of the most beautiful things about a group is that it does allow for you to be a role model for what you've learned outside in your relationship. And that that's very reinforcing to the other person when they see the new and improved and begin to believe that they really, truly are new and improved. Yeah, Um, there can be changes, yeah. So, again, anybody can access this workbook, Freedom from Sex Addiction. It's a self-help workbook that talks about sexual addiction. It talks about the consequences. It talks about the lies and the shame. And And it talks about resources and what you can do to get healthy. And if you are a partner, there is a Freedom from Sex Addiction for Partners self-help workbook. They are free of charge. You go to www. Um, let's see here. It's the sexaddicttreatment.net website and download this for free. Take a look at it, and it will guide you to the next step. And And you would say for people out of the California area, they probably need to find a good group for sex addicts or for sex partners separate from 12-step groups. Wouldn't you agree? In their I own would city? agree. I mean, that's, that's the ideal treatment, and uh, uh, I, I think that's the ideal treatment, to really get a good, strong support system in place. This is a real buddy system, both for partners and for sex addicts. Uh, that will become part of your secure base in your life, your security place. And a lot of people even talk about it in 12-step. It becomes part of their high, the loving energy there becomes part of their higher power concept. And uh, <clears throat> so I like that idea, and I think it it does really help. And there's no, with these workbooks, we don't have any ulterior motive like you see on so many things that are free. Like, oh, we want you to buy something. No, there's nothing to buy. Yeah. They're not selling anything here. We just want to give it away to people uh, and uh, and help you out there. It's just our gift. Don, and, thank you yeah. so much. We have to end for tonight, but these workbooks are invaluable. I was so impressed. I so appreciate you sharing this information. And would you thank Joan, because obviously she did a fantastic job. Yes, um, she did. I just really appreciate it, and I just wish you the most success. I can tell that it's heartfelt, and it's, you're, you're doing great work. Yes, and thank you for you know having us here and spreading the word out there. I know you're doing that through your radio program here, and I've listened to some of the broadcasts. I went on and listened to them. They're very good people coming on, and, and you're a wonderful interviewer, I have to say that. So thank you for your help 
uh, around the universe here. Thank you, John. You have a great week. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Anybody have any questions, give me an email at carolthecoach at AOL.com, and we'll see you next week. Um, Thank you so much, and uh, there is hope, strength, and recovery.